we are starting a brand new series, uh, more uh, that we're starting that. Now, our church started 20 years ago here in Estes Park, and it started pretty small and pretty humble. It was uh, just really a prayer group more than anything. And it was a group of believers that got together and began praying for the valley. And they had this desire and this passion for more of Jesus in our community. And that really set the DNA for who we are as a congregation and as a church. And for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what does that mean to have more of Jesus? And how do we make sure that we bring more of Jesus into our life? Now, before we get into that, of course, we want to make sure we get to our memory verse. And today's is a, is a big one. Uh, it's uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now, I know that it's a long one, but this is our Great Commission. This is what Jesus calls us to do. This is why we are here. That's why, I don't know, three or four times a year, uh, we go back through and we memorize this. And so it so should be a pretty important one for us. And so what's uh, what it says, if you're, if you're new with us or maybe you've not heard this before. Uh, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what a powerful passage that is, kind of a, a life direction kind of passage for us. So here we are, more. This is what we want. This is what Jesus called us to do, is to go and to share His love and to share the gospel and to bring people into faith. We want more of Jesus. And here as a church, uh, that's, that's really how we started. And if we want to have more of Jesus, there's some basic things that we had to come together on. The first thing is we said, you know, if we want to have more of Jesus in the world, we're going to have to do it His way. And that's kind of how we started. We said we want, as a church, we're non-denominational. It doesn't mean denominations don't do things God's way. It's just that for us, we wanted to see, what does the Bible say? And let's try to do that. And for us, we said, then the Bible become our standard of faith and practice. Everything that we want to do in, as a church and as a people, we really want to make sure that, that we're just as close as we can to doing things God's way, the way that Christ would have us do. Now, there's a lot of things that we do that aren't in Scripture, um, like we sang worship songs and then we changed the order of service. That wasn't in the Bible. It's not like, you know, first book of order of services or anything. Uh, there's a lot of things that aren't in there, but there's a tons of things that are. And as a church, we have decided that we are going to stand on Scripture, that we believe that it is God's inspired word, that it, is, it is, didn't come from humans. It is authoritative in all areas of our faith and our practice of life, how we're supposed to live. And so we come together to stand on the truth and, and the, the authority of the Word of God. And then in that, you will notice that there are a lot of different denominations and different types of people that believe a lot of different things that have the same Bible. And so what we've decided to do, instead of fighting about a lot of those things, is let's define what are the essentials? What are the things that are very, very clear? And let's get together on those. All right? And, and inside those essentials, there, there's some basic things. We say, what do we want to, what are essentials? And we ask ourselves a very simple question. What is something that everybody in heaven has in common that nobody in heaven has? Because that would be the essentials, wouldn't it? Right. And so we say, what is it that would be truly essential? 
And we believe that something that everybody has in common that nobody outside of heaven has is this. Everyone in heaven is going to be saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, certainly you would say, what about those that lived in the Old Testament, didn't know Jesus? Well, they were saved by God's grace through faith in God, who brought Jesus, who was the means by which they were saved. But everybody is saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There is no one in heaven that is there because they were good enough. There was no one in heaven because they were smart enough to be able to do it or spiritual enough or powerful enough. If a human is in heaven, it is because they are there by God's grace. And they are there because because they accepted God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, meaning that He is their God and their Savior, means that He came. He was the prophesied Messiah. He was the one who could pay the penalty and save us. Now, that's the essentials. And I've got to tell you, brothers and sisters, that that's a pretty big thing. That's amazing. That's, if, if everyone in heaven has that, and nobody outside of heaven has that, then we want to make sure that we're not excluding people whom God is including. And we want to make sure that we're not including people whom God is excluding. Right? So we went back to Scripture, the authority of it, and we said, this is how we define ourselves. Now, certainly there are a lot of non-negotiable things that we find in the Bible that are things like this. We believe in the authority of Scripture. We do. We're not going to, we're not going to, to negotiate on that. Uh, we believe in, in the, the Trinity. And we're not going to negotiate on that. I mean, there are a lot of, of important things that we don't negotiate on. But really, as we define ourselves... We're going to find ourselves as a people uh, that are held together by the essentials. And those essentials, we're going to find great unity. Now, there's a lot of things in Scripture that you can come to and disagree on. These are important issues of faith, but they're non-essential. And they're going to be things like, how is the end going to happen? Because we'll find that there are a lot of people that are very brilliant and very smart and very faithful that look at the Word of God and read the Scriptures and they come to different conclusions, honestly different conclusions, about what is it going to look like when Jesus comes back. Well, we can disagree and we can discuss those things because they are very important. But we don't have to make those tests of faith. So in, in essentials we find unity. In non-essentials there is liberty but here's the most important thing of all of this and those things is that in all things, love. And that whether it is we come together on our essentials or we have room to debate and discuss and really challenge each other's faith in the non-essentials, we do it in an attitude that is Christ-like, that is in tune with the Holy Spirit, a, a, an attitude of love for one another. And that is the core of, of how we became together as, as, a, as, a, as a church, as a family. That is our culture. And that culture grew. I mean, we started out just a little prayer group, and eventually we, we were over at the, the high school. And I'll tell you, my, my wife and I were in high school at the time, and uh, this congregation was meeting there for worship service in the auditorium. And I was pretty young in my faith, so was my wife. And we had a friend that invited us to it. And so we drove up one day to go to the worship service and we got outside. and There wasn't many cars there. And we both looked at each other and we're like, they're probably a bunch of weirdos. Did say that. And then we drove off and we didn't come yet. Well, the church did. It started that way. And it was small, but it grew. And eventually uh, we got a place in the Masonic Lodge. 
And uh, we were able to hire our first lead pastor, which Scott Weber came in, which is phenomenal. And the church really began to grow. And, uh, and that's when my wife and I started attending, even though it was at the Masonic Lodge. And I was sure that only devil worship happened there. But it wasn't. I was so happy that to find that it wasn't, didn't take place. And the church grew and grew and grew until eventually um, we were able to purchase this, this building to meet in as a, as a place of our own, which was really nice not to set up and take down and things like that. But really, it's the same congregation. God has just grown us in faith because we have, we're getting what we were designed for, more of Jesus. Do you know in the last 20 years, 187 souls have come to faith through this congregation? 187. Everyone precious. And you know, through the last 20 years, we've had over a dozen uh, of, our, of our people go on to full-time ministries and mission work. But you know, the greatest thing is we've had hundreds and hundreds of believers go into actual mission works in their own homes and lives because they're recognizing that Jesus is everywhere and that we're all on mission. It's been an amazing 20 years, but we can't stop here. Have we had enough of Jesus yet? No. And so we want more of Jesus. And I believe to go back to that, to say, how do we, how do we get more? Do we look at really what brought us to this point? Our mission statement as a Christian church at Vestas Park is a mouthful, but it's important. And it speaks very much to who we are. It says the Christian Church of Estes Park is a fellowship of believers. Get that. We are a fellowship. We're not a building. We're not an institution. We're a fellowship of believers with a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. And you know what the great commandments and the great commissions are? The great commandment was to love God with everything that we are. Heart, soul, mind, spirit, strength, right? And to love others, our neighbors, as much as we love ourselves. And the Great Commission, you all know that. You just memorized it. To go to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, to teach those new disciples to obey all that Christ commanded, knowing that He is with us always. He is the one who empowers us. So we are a fellowship of believers with a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And to summarize what that means is to know God's love, to grow in God's love, to love God and others, and to go and share God's love. And we'll just take a few minutes and just highlight each of those because they are, they build on one another. A disciple begins by knowing God's love. And then we get to grow in his love. And then we get to love God and others. And then we go and share his love. And so to know God's love, what does that mean? Well, in that... uh, that uh, awesome uh, great commandment. It says this, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. To love God, to know God's love, it begins by really giving God our whole hearts, our minds, our spirits, our strength. It's a, it's a, a relationship with God. We're never going to get to have more of Jesus through dead religion, through going through the motions, or to have this, this wall between us and God and saying, I'm going to just serve you out of fear, out of obligation. It says to love the Lord your God. And love is, is, is it's such an intimate word, isn't it? And to love God with everything that we are. And how do we love God? Well, we find in First John, it reminds us that we love God because He first loved us. 
You understand that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's that moment of grace, that, that amazing grace, right, that song talks about. When we finally receive and understand how much God loves us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That we understand, but it's God's grace that He saved us. When, when, when the words of Jesus that are recorded in, in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish. When we begin to understand God's love for us, the more we're able to love Him back. And so a disciple's love begins first with Christ. We have to know God's love. And that's why as a congregation over and over throughout the years, we have endeavored to, to love each other through the muck and, and, and the difficulties and the sins and the failures because we're all sinners. That's why we're a congregation. It's so important that we care for one another and we share God's love towards one another, that we forgive one another because we're going to offend each other. It's just going to happen. And we're going to fail. It's going to happen. But we receive God's love oftentimes through the work of His body, right? The church. And we preach it a lot about God's grace and how much He loves you. And there's a reason for that. Daily, more and more for us to realize how much, how deeply, how passionately God loves you. And when we begin to grow in that love, and receiving that love of God, well, then we can take that next step is to grow in love. And the scriptures talk oftentimes about how we don't want to stay just with the milk, right? Uh, we want to grow and to have the meat to, to be grow strong in faith. And Jesus even calls us to this. He says in that thing, he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. You understand that you can't obey God's commandments in, in, in a way that pleases him if it's not out of love. Right? Love the Lord your God with all uh, heart, mind, mind, soul, and strength. Right? And he said, at the very end of that, he says, the commandments, all the commands, were, hangs on those two things, on love. We have to really connect with God's love. But as we connect with God's love, it needs to propel us into action. And we have to know how to follow God because the reality is, none of us really knows how to follow God on our own. That's why there's all kinds of fake religions out there. People come up with all kinds of crazy ideas of how they think we ought to follow God. But God himself came to earth to tell us what he wanted. And he revealed to us through the prophets and the apostles exactly what he wants from us. And so Jesus gives us a roadmap and he tells us, this is how you can love me. And we need to grow in that love. Church is not a place to go and place membership and to sit and to be comfortable if you're not changing if you're not growing, then there's something wrong and you're not going to have more of Jesus. But as we begin to submit more and more of our life to him because he knows what he's doing, because we love him, the more we're going to find our faith grows. And think about the things he tells us to do. His commands are not burdensome at all, are they? They're difficult at times. Forgive other people. That's, that's not always easy. But it's a good thing. How about this? Loving our enemies. He tells us to do it. It's hard, but it's not a burden. Isn't it amazing when we stop hating the, the burden that lifts our shoulders? 
How about this? To bring all of our concerns and our, and our requests to him before God in prayer, knowing that he hears us and loves us. Well, that takes time and effort, but is it a burden? How about engaging in the work and to go to people and share good news with them? Is that a burden? No, it's a joy. The more we walk with God, the more we see that he wants from us and how to live according to his way, the more our lives become freer and freer. It's an amazing thing. We grow in God's love. That's why as a congregation, we really focus on teaching God's word and prayer. That's why the worship service time, we do all these crazy things like uh, we even change things up to help us do it even better. We want you to come prepared to worship on Sundays and then to meet with God and to worship him there, but then also to hear his message and then respond to it. And respond to it in all kinds of ways, in our prayers, in our communions, and through music, obviously, through service. We provide opportunities. We want to have more of these to be able to be trained, like the Growing Strong class and, and uh, the life groups and the, the Bible studies that happen. To get out and to see what God says and, and encourage one another to grow stronger in faith. We want to grow in God's love, and as we grow in God's love, then we get to do something really fun. And that's when we get to love God and others. Do you see the first two are very responsive? Get to know God's love, to receive it, and then to grow in it, to get to know what it's like and start to put it into practice. But then something amazing happens. It's, uh, there was, there's a book that I just read not very long ago. It was a phenomenal book. And it talked about it, this illustration in there. And it said that a, a, a healthy lake has got... Water coming into it and water going out of it. If you ever have a lake that, that uh, there's no water coming in or going out, it just dries up, right? And then it's no longer a lake, it's a puddle, and then it becomes a marsh, and then it just turns, disappears. But if you have a lake that has water going out of it, but not water coming into it, then it dries up really fast, right? Or if you have a lake that has water coming into it, but no water going out, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and it just kills everything around it. You see that there has to be a flow through. And that's what a church is. Uh, we get to receive the Spirit and God's instruction and connection with Him and fellowship and, and all those things. And the water comes in. But if we just sit there and, and, and we don't minister, we're like that lake that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and everything around us dies. And we wonder why. To love God and others, a natural outpouring of when we received God's love, we get to then show God's love. Isn't it an amazing thing? To love God and others, Jesus talks about this in that great thing. When she says that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And, and, and then he says to love your neighbor as yourself. And he ties the two of them together. How do we show God's love? In fact, it even says in Scripture, how can we say that we love God whom we have not seen if we don't love our brothers and sisters whom we have seen? It's a very simple thing. And so one of the ways that we show God's love is by loving our spiritual family. What a great thing is that? That's why the fellowship meals and the picnics and those types of things are important. That's why life groups are important. The more we can connect, the more you can love one another. Because I will tell you, it's impossible to love somebody if you just see them on Sunday morning and, and have small talk over a cup of coffee. I can get to know them a little bit, but do I really know them? Do I really love them? No, but as we connect, then we can begin to love God and others in a, in a more profound and a deep way. 
Over the years, our church has done other things to be able to then extend that love beyond the walls of this church, which is what should happen. And we've done great things. We've served the schools, and we'll have more opportunities to do that. We've served our communities. We've done all kinds of grace projects and fun things like this. But at the heart of it is this. To have more of Jesus' community is going to require us to love more people in this community because of Jesus. Does that make sense? Because we're his body. And what a great thing is that, that we get to be agents of love in a world that is love-starved. What an awesome thing is that. So we know God's love. We grow in God's love. We get to love God and others in a greater way. And then we go and share God's love. And that's where we're getting out into the community. So many fun things. Jesus said there, he says, I have uh, been given all authority in heaven and earth. All right? So he says, I'm boss. I can tell you what to do. I have the right to tell you this. So since I can tell you how to live your life, this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Go make disciples of all the nations. And the, and the active verb there is make disciples. Everything else just describes how we do that. You have to go out there. We have to be willing to get outside of our comfort zone because we're naturally going to go where our comfort zone is, but God calls us outside of it. Go to all the different kinds of people, all the nations, the ethnos, right? People that are very different than us. Get out there. And we make disciples. We bring them to faith. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're giving them right doctrine. We're teaching them who God is and we bring them to a point of faith, but then we don't leave them there. We're not a church about making converts. It's not like you have a punch card and once you get 10 converts, you get like a free cup of coffee, right? That's not how we work, right? It's, it's loving people enough to bring them to the kingdom and then continuing to love them so that they can begin to know God's love themselves, so that they themselves can grow in God's love, so that they themselves can see what it's like and have a community so they can love God and others so that they can go and share God's love themselves with others. It's an amazing thing. First Timothy says, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. For all people? What about politicians? Wait, he talks about that. He says, pray this way is for kings and those who are in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Understand that there are a lot of people in this world that we would ourselves just as much write off and hate, wouldn't we? I mean, especially as we're getting closer to a, an election cycle, there's nothing more polarizing for a people than an election. And we're going to find people that we disagree with very much and it's easy for us to demonize them. Well, let's first recognize that we ourselves were demonized before we receive the grace of Jesus. Can we love this world boldly? Can we love this world passionately? Can we bring it to, into our hearts the ability to at least pray for those that persecute and those that live in darkness and those that promote darkness that God himself, the light of the gospel, can penetrate their hearts and transform them? Let us not forget that it was Paul was first a terrorist and look at what God did with him. But also, let's not forget who we were. Twenty years ago, I was a high school kid who thought I could do anything. That's who I was. And I was certainly way too holy for a congregation like this. But because of God's love and because of the support of my brothers and sisters, I have an ability and an opportunity to share God's love on a regular and, and way to, to, to equip you to do the very things for you that you did for me first. 
That's the picture of discipleship. You know, we summarize all of these things because uh, that know God's love and grow in God's love and love God and others and to go and share God's love is a little bit of a tongue twister. But how do we do this? What does it really mean? Our church is about this. We want to summarize it down this. We want to be disciples of Jesus to build disciples of Jesus. That's winning, right? That's, that's faithfulness. That's more of Jesus in our lives. We start by that self-discipleship to be able to love God and receive God's love and to know how to love him better and then to begin to go and share that love with other people and to build disciples. And that's what we've been seeing for 20 years and we're going to see a whole lot more of it. But let's remember who we are and why we're here so that we can begin to love God with that same kind of passion, that same purpose, that same foundation that we've always had. And that's the way I believe that God wants us to, to, to grow, grow us. Now, I have some ideas for you guys to how to apply that this week. There's some things that we want to do. And so if you take your connection card out, here are some things that you, you might want to do. And I have the wrong card. So I'm just going to read it off of this one. Um, you can memorize Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Or 20, 18 through 20. That's the Great Commission. If you've never memorized the Great Commission, this is a great Bible verse to begin memorizing because that's why we're here. If it wasn't for the Great Commission, you wouldn't be here for starters. Let's just write that, right? Neither would I. None of us would. But also, if there wasn't for the Great Commission, if God was going to do all of the, to reaching all the people without us, then he would have zapped us to heaven the moment we came to faith, wouldn't he? The reason that you are here, the big purpose of your life right here on earth to glorify God and to get about his business. This is why we're here. It's a great thing. This is why we exist as a church. This is why Jesus said this is what he wants us to do. And therefore, maybe it's a great place to start is saying, I want to set that to memory. I'm going to make that part of my own spiritual DNA. I'm going to be able to, to really read and meditate on that. What does it mean to say that God has, Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth? Ask yourself that question and ask yourself, then what does that mean in my life? Or he says, therefore, go make disciples. What does that mean? Who is that to? What does it mean to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to teach them to obey all the commands he's given? What does it mean that he says that he's with us always, even to the end of the age? Spend some time with that verse this week. Maybe what you'll do is you say, you know what? I want to, I want to make this part of me. And that's what you commit to this week. Or maybe the next thing that you want to do is you just want to read the whole book of Matthew. Because... Nothing is better in Scripture than reading it in context, right? And you want to see about Jesus, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to have more of Jesus? I will tell you, there was a lot less of Jesus in the world until he was born, right? And then there was a whole lot more Jesus right then in the Gospels. So read that. Look what it looks like. Read what happened to Matthew, who writes this Gospel, and see the transformation of a tax collector into a man of God of purpose. Check that out. See who God is in this, in this amazing God that we follow. Or maybe this. Ask God to repair our hearts. Maybe you've come to a point in life where you're frustrated with God. Or you know that God's good, but he just doesn't feel like he's good to you. Know that God always loves you. And sometimes as, a, as his child, he puts us in the places that are difficult to grow us so we can know and trust that he's always there despite what we feel. And maybe what it is is we begin with preparing our hearts and saying, God, I'm going to start with what I know. The word of God is the word of God. The Bible is trustworthy. How you revealed yourself is how you revealed yourself. Prepare my heart to receive your love.
prepare my heart to be able to, to share your love. Maybe that's where you begin in asking God to come into your life to begin to refresh you and to prepare you for the good work that he has before you. Because the biggest way that we're going to have more of Jesus' community is when we start with having more of Jesus in us. But something else that you can do on that connection card, maybe is something you would commit to, is maybe you want to attend the Growing Strong class. That's a very practical thing. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a while but kind of stalled out. And maybe no one ever discipled you and taught you these are the things that disciples do. These are the things that are just habits that help us grow in the faith. If you, if you look at an athlete, there's a reason there's an athlete. They don't just wake up one day and then have great physical ability. They have habits in their life that lead them to growing to be strong so that they can do the things that they're going to do. There's the habits that we set up, and God shows us some of these in Scripture. And maybe no one's ever taught you those. Well, that's what the body of Christ is here for. And if you'd like to join that, let us know. Mark it on your connection card and drop that off in the offering later on the service. But uh, we want to connect with God. Very good. And like Aaron said um, before as uh, he was giving the sermon, um, you know, we want to we grow in a greater response. Um, to the message to the Lord and to what he has for us. And so in this next, these next few moments, we're going we're gonna, to um, pray together as a body. And as we do that, um, um, I'll, I'll pray first, and you guys can just join in when I'm done, um, if you have a prayer that you want to lift up. Um, so as we do that, um, feel free to lift up a prayer. Um, and also you can um, be praying and thinking about those commitments on your card. And then after, after our prayer, we're going to take up our offering and um, so, so if you want to uh, put those in the offering after the prayer, you can do that. And if you have any other prayer requests, feel free to write those down as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. And Lord, may, may we have a heart that longs for you, that wants more of you every single day. God, just as we thirst for water, just as it's the very thing that gives us life, when we can't live without it, may we thirst for you. God, give us give us the heart and the desire for more of you. As we continue in this worship time, or in this, this prayer time, um, God, um, humble our hearts and, and, and hear our prayers.
Alright, good morning. I'm glad you guys are all here today. If you're our guest today, welcome, special welcome for you. My name is Aaron, I'm the lead pastor. I'll get to bring the message. Uh, before we get into much though, I would like to have all of our kids come up, up through fifth grade. We want to pray for them and send you out to our praise place, which is uh, our children's ministry. A lot of fun. Hey, big guy. Oh, these are great kids. All right, join me in praying for our children. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our children and we love them. And Lord, today I pray that they would learn about you and have lots of fun, that they would uh, sense your love. Uh, Father, that uh, your gospel would make uh, a sense to their hearts, but also, Father, that uh, your word will come alive for them. I pray for the teachers as well. Uh, give them uh, your gifting to teach today. Uh, give them an ability to love the kids the way that you care for them. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to follow Pastor James, and he will lead you to the praise place, which is good stuff. Um, while they're out there, I've got a couple of announcements that we'd like to share with you. But first, um, I would appreciate if you go into your bulletin and uh, pull out this, this green connection card and let me know that you're here. And so if any information's changed, let us know that. We sure appreciate it. It helps us keep our, our records accurate. And connect with you guys. If you're our guest here this morning, we want to again say thank you for being here. Just fill out whatever you feel comfortable filling out. I promise we won't sell this to anybody. It's just a way for us to, to pray for you and stuff like that. But um, just fill out what you feel comfortable and later on the service you can drop this into the offering basket as it's passed. One thing that would be helpful though if you're our guest to tell us is how you heard about us. And you can do that here on the bottom line. It says, how did you hear about CCEP? That's us. And uh, just let us know. We would sure appreciate that. And then... Uh, Make sure you, you hold on to this because we'll come back to this later in the service. Some good stuff. Oh, and if you're a guest, I almost forgot. This is like the most fun part. You can have a gift for you to say thank you for being here and for uh, uh, giving us your connection card. That's uh, this Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. And uh, you can pick up your own free copy. They're out by the front doors and you can pick one up as, as you leave. Um, a couple of announcements that we have. Some things that are happening today is our uh, 20th anniversary picnic celebration extravaganza down at, at uh, Stanley Park. So uh, it's going to be potluck or whatever. So after the service is done, you can all drive down there. We have one of the the uh, shelters uh, rented out. There's a banner there, so that's where we'll be. You'll also see other people from church there. That will be another great way of knowing that's where we're at. And it'll be a whole bunch of fun. So hope you come out and, and, uh, and enjoy this great last uh, week of uh, August down there too. We enjoy that. So the good stuff. Uh, another announcement we have is our Growing Strong uh, class. That's going to be next week. And that's uh, it's a two-hour kind of intensive instruction on uh, health, building healthy habits for spiritual growth. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and so if you want to join that or to come to it on your connection card, on the back side of it, it says... Uh, uh, if you go on the other side, it says other commission things as others. You want to just check that and say uh, growing strong. We'll make sure that we get you registered. Or you can talk to me or call the office and we'll make sure you get there. The lunch is provided. All your materials provided. It's a free class, but uh, it's, a, it's a pretty great thing. So hope that you can join us for that. Other couple things that you might notice. Um, we have some... Uh, uh, construction, destruction, I don't know, the driveway, isn't that great? Ready for more cars, uh, some great things, but just be careful as you head out uh, this morning not to, because to, it's a little squishy still, so uh, great stuff. 
All right, and um, school is starting, which means that to the community, we're getting together and we're going to have a, uh, a starting school worship service for all of our students and community. It's going to be at Mountain View tonight at 7 o'clock. And so you all are welcome to go there at 6 o'clock. It says 6 o'clock. And uh, so you're all welcome to go there and uh, to join in that. So here we go. All right, well, let's get into the message today. Uh, this is a series, a new series. We just completed the uh, Minor Prophets last week, so uh, we thought, what are we going to do next? Well, more. Uh, and really, the idea of this message, we thought about 20 years. We've been here for 20 years. And what is it that we're here for? And, and why are we here? And so this message really kind of goes back to our roots, but it then looks at our future as to what are we doing here as a congregation, as a family of faith here in the Estes Valley? To get started on that, though, we have our memory verse, and it is a long one, but it is one that we do uh, several times a year because this is an important one. I know it's about three times long, it's longer than most, uh, but this is a very important passage. This one is uh, uh, we call the Great Commission, and it's what Jesus gives his followers, which are you and me, by the way, this is what he tells us to do. This is what we're supposed to be spending our, our time and our energy and our life doing. So it's an important verse to make sure we set to our heart and our mind. And so we do come back to this several times. I know it's long, but uh, hopefully after a while it'll make sense. If you're our guest here this morning, yay you. Um, here's something that I have um, for you. In, inside your bulletin is a connection card, or not connection card, a memory verse card. And you could pull that out too if you need just a little reminder. Uh, this is a tool that we give you to help. Put the word into your heart every week. Okay, so this is what it says. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all that I have commanded you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right, so that's the Great Commission. Uh, why don't you join in with me? Let's memorize this. Here we go. Jesus came and told his disciples, Disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all I have commanded you. And, oh no, all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18-20. That's the danger of memorizing a different version. comes back to get me. Alright, let's say it again just for me. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28. 18 through 20. All right, we can lose those letters. Here we go. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am 
with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Oh, you guys have this. It's like we've done this before. All right, last time. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Woo! All right! I know you guys didn't think you could do it, but you did it because you're all smart and everything. Now what you want to do is take that memory verse card because it is a doozy, but it's an amazing one. It's a powerful one. And take that out right now and put it in your pocket, your wallet, or your purse, somewhere you can get back to uh, on a, every day. That's a great thing to do. All right. 20 years ago, our church began. And it didn't have big fanfare. It wasn't a massive church launch. It wasn't anything like that. It began with a small group of believers that met together for prayer. Didn't even have a place. They just kind of met together and they prayed. And why did they get together and pray? Well, from those that I've talked to that were, were there, they said they had this desire. They wanted to see more of Jesus in our community. They wanted to see more of Jesus in their own lives. There was this hunger and this drive for more of Jesus. And so they got together and they prayed and they, and they set their hearts and their minds to, how do we do that? We want to pursue Jesus as, as a church family. Well, that little group began to grow. Eventually, we kind of came over the church. We had a worship service uh, at the high school for, for a short time. In fact, uh, I, my wife and I were in high school at that time. And I remember I was a very young believer, and so was she at the time. And somebody invited us to that. And we drove up, and uh, we sat outside of the high school, and we counted a number of cars, and there weren't that many. And uh, we thought, well, they're probably a bunch of weirdos anyway. And so we left. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> But the church continued to grow. Uh, Christ was made alive more and more in that small family of faith. And eventually they had a place of worship. And uh, they started meeting at the Masonic Lodge of all places. And uh, that's when Amy and I started attending along with several other pastors. We, uh, we came together and it was a surprise. I knew some of the folks that were there. Uh, we got to see the love of God and the love of Christ lived out in a family of faith. And it was amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And the church grew. And we were eventually able, we hired our first uh, pastor, uh, Scott Weber, came in and did a great job leading the church for that time, those, those foundational years. And the church uh, added lots of people in numbers, but it also was, it was a time of great depth that we got to know more about Christ and uh, got to, to begin to walk in, in that deeper fellowship, more and more of Jesus. And then uh, we, we end up uh, getting our own space. And that's where we are now when we, built the, we worked on this building. But the building wasn't really the focus because it's the family of faith. We are the same family that first early met in prayer closets years and years ago. And, and it's because we're that same family, we still have that same passion that same drive, that same desire, we long to have more of Jesus. That's part of just who we are. It's part of our DNA. And today we're going to talk about that, our roots as to who we are 
And how do we have more of Jesus? You know, it's amazing things uh, going through this. Uh, 183 people have been baptized into Christ over the last 20 years through this congregation. Uh, we have uh, over a dozen that have gone from this congregation out into full-time ministry and, and uh, missions field. But you know, we've had hundreds of people come through this church and part of this family and be trained as missionaries themselves and disciples themselves and are reaching people for Jesus even today in our own community and throughout the world. What an amazing thing that is. And when we say more of Jesus, what do we really mean? Well, the, the early, our, our predecessors of this church, they came up with a mission statement to try to write it down. What does it mean? What do we want to have more of Jesus? And this is what they came up with. This is our mission statement. The Christian Church of Estes Park is a fellowship of believers. And it's important we stop there and take a look, a fellowship. And we weren't ever an institution. We weren't ever just a, like a big formal thing. We were a fellowship of believers, first and foremost. There was family and relationship built in to who we are. We're a fellowship of believers with a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. Now, what's the great commandment? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But it, there was somebody who asked Jesus, what are the most important things? Follow the commands. And he says to them, well, it's very simple. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, the second's like it. To love your neighbor, other people, as much as you love yourself. And he says all of the laws and the prophets basically rest upon those. If we get those right, we get everything else right. We have a great commitment to that. There is a love for God and for others that we're committed to. There's also the Great Commission, which you all just memorized, by the way. So, yay you. And that's part of being committed to it. We have to know what it is. And that's to go and to make disciples and to bring people to faith and to help them grow into faith. And so to summarize that kind of thing and to break it down, what does it, what does it mean to be a, a, a fellowship of believers with a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission? Well, it's this. To know God's love, to grow in God's love, to love God and others, and to go and share God's love. That's how we kind of describe it. So we're going to spend a little time this morning talking about each of those, those things. And these build on one another. You really can't get to the next one until you have the previous one. Which means that we have to start with knowing God's love. And that's the very first thing in, in the Christian life is to begin at a point where we get to know God and his love. In fact, we find that uh, we're told uh, by first, in first John, he said, we love because God first loved us. Right? It's impossible to love others until we have received the love of God. In fact, this is the starting point of all, all Christianity. Uh, we are saved by God's grace through faith, Right? And it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And then part of the scripture says, so no one can boast. But also I think it reminds us that we are there because God loves us. When asked, why did he come to this earth? When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He said, God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Because the world's already condemned. You understand that how much God loves us. That's where we begin as a congregation. You know what? That goes right back to that great commandment or the great, uh, great commandments. It says you must love the Lord with all your heart and your, all your soul and all of your mind. All right? Well, God wants us to love him with everything. And so part of this church, we really want to help develop a relationship, a fellowship between ourselves and our incredible loving God. And the only way that we're going to love God with all of us is when we begin by receiving God's love for all of us. Uh, we 
we talk about grace a lot, don't we? And we try to express grace a lot. Right? So we can receive that kind of love. In fact, uh, it says so much times um, in, in the Word, it says, how can we say that we love God whom we have not seen if we don't love each other whom we have seen? And that's one of the reasons why in our church we've really tried and have think done a pretty good job fostering a grace-filled community. That we're going to mess up. Some of us, like me probably more than anyone, big time, like lots of times. We, we offend each other from time to time. We do things unintentionally. And sometimes we even do things intentionally because we're stinkers, right? <laughs> but we love each other beyond those things because God loves us. Uh, this is a community of forgiveness. It's a community of, of reality. This is not a place that we ever want to just put on our Sunday best and pretend. Because we all know that behind that Sunday, that's just a mask. It's just a costume. But we want to be fully loved, which means this is a place that we can be fully real. Which means that it has to be a place that is, that is drenched in love and grace. And we do that because God accepts us for who we are. God, it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's an amazing thing that we have a God who saw us at, at our worst and brings us to our best. That we have a God who, who takes us from all of our doubt and all of our fear and all of our selfishness and, and comes in with love and mercy and grace and abundance and then says, come, you are welcome here. You're not perfect, but he's making us perfect. We begin as a congregation to know God's love. That is the first and most fundamental thing. Nothing else in the Christian life can go further than that until we start here. I think that's why it's so important that all the disciples, you look at their lives, and God, Jesus, calls them out of obscurity. And He loves them, and He shows them purpose, and He shows them meaning in life, and He accepts them, even though the religious folks at the time wouldn't look at these twelve to be disciples at all. Our God loves them. And it was because of that love, they were able to go into the world and to do amazing things, not because they had to, but because they were compelled to. We need to know God's love. And as a congregation, as we move forward, it is essential that we continue in, in that vein. We need to be a place that constantly goes before the throne and goes before the cross and reminds ourselves and remind each other of God's great love for us. And then ask, what does that mean? And how does that change us? And we, when we get to that point, we can then begin to grow in God's love. And it's important, there's a word there, God's love that we grow in. It's not our own love, is it? Because our love kind of has an end point, doesn't it? Like We all know that. We've all had the, the relatives stay at our house for a while and you love them, but after a while, it's time to go home. God loves us with an inexhaustible love and we get to grow in that love. And, and Jesus tells us how to do that. How do we build that kind of love into each other's lives? And he says this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. He tells us to do that after we baptize them, after they come to faith. Then we don't leave them there. But then we teach them all the better and, and the much more of our faith. And they begin to grow and we begin to grow in our faith. As we begin to walk in a closer relationship with God, our love grows. 
Isn't it an amazing thing that, that the Holy Spirit in, in, the, in the scriptures talks about there are things that he does in our lives. They're called fruits of the Spirit that he builds into our lives when we walk close to him. These aren't things that you build into your life. These are things that are fruits of the Spirit. Which means that one of them is love, along with joy and peace and patience. But isn't it amazing that love is the first? You know, the more that we walk with God, the closer we walk with God, the more He's part of our life, the more we're naturally become more loving people. And remember that love is not the opposite of hate. It is the opposite of selfishness. When we love, we begin to step outside of ourselves because we're taken care of. And we're able then to care for the needs of other people. We're able to see others and we can get past this very near vision that so many people live their whole lives in. That God frees us. We get to grow in His love as we grow closer to Him. And that's as we learn to obey all the commands He's given us. And His commands aren't burdensome. These aren't horribly hard things as far as, oh, He puts this horrible weight on us and it's just going to be miserable the rest of our lives. He tells us to do amazing things like this. Forgive one another. Do you know how nice it is to forgive? It's hard. But when you don't have to carry around anger your entire life or every time you see that person, there's that little check in your stomach. You're like, if I see them, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be awful. When we begin to forgive and to release them to God, that's a, it's a hard thing to do, but it's, it releases a burden. Or, or how about when he tells us to, to love our enemies? That is awesome. Hating somebody takes a lot of energy, doesn't it? But when we begin to see the bigger picture and where God is at work and we recognize that our battle isn't against other people but against the powers and principalities and wrong ideas and all the things out there in this world and we begin to actually love the people that God made beyond their actions, that releases us from all kinds of heavy hatred and areas that we couldn't go. We live in a life of freedom. But God has great commands. And he tells us to do things like Treat others with dignity and respect and with honor. That's hard to do, but it's entirely freeing, isn't it? And we walk closer to God and we teach the disciples to obey all the commands he's given us. We have a rich and growing faith. It's a vibrant faith. It's a very attractive faith too, isn't it? Isn't it one of the reasons that some of you are even here is you met somebody who was a believer who was growing in their faith and you saw what they had and you're like, I want that. It's a beautiful thing. And so as a church, we spend a lot of energy and time making sure we're focused on growing in faith. This is not a country club. It's not a place to come and just sign your membership and sit there and pay your dues. We should be growing. We should be growing deeper in our faith with God. We want to challenge one another. That's why we do memory verses, by the way, so that way not only do you have the word in your head, but the idea is to get it in your heart. And so that it's with you throughout the rest of the week so the Holy Spirit can bring it up so you have something to meditate on. Think about how awesome He is and how He's alive in your life. That's why we pray for one another. That's why we do things like our life groups and, and, and the classes that we have to, to go into the God's Word and say, you know what, I just want to know what God said so we can do it. And then know that there's grace there and it's, it's Right, He says, I'm with you always. There's a reason that he says that, because it's not our power that changes us into God. You can never be obedient enough. Right? Then it would just be a legalistic bunch of, of dweebs, so we'd be really awful people. But he changes us as we learn to obey him in all things, 
So we know God's love. And as we know God's love, it's almost impossible then to not grow in God's love. And that's what we want to do. But we can't stop there. Then we get to do the fun stuff. That's to love God and others. There's a book that I just read. It was a, a pretty, it was a fun book. And uh, had this illustration in there of a healthy uh, lake. And I thought, well, that's clever. I've never thought of that before. But he says a healthy lake has water coming in and water going out, right? And then it's a healthy lake. Because if you think about it, if you have a lake that has no water coming in but water going out, what do you have? An empty lake. (laughs) It dries up. What if you have a lake that has no water coming in and no water going out? What do you have? Yeah, this nasty pool of grossness that you would never go to. Or what happens if you have a lake that has water coming in but no water going out? What do you have? A flood. And we all know that those aren't helpful, right? Well, that's what it's like in our, our life. As we know God's love and as we grow in God's love, it's like we get the water coming in, right? And, and we expand, and it's an amazing thing, but if we, never, if we never go out and show God's love to others, if we don't, we don't love God and others, then we become dangerous. And I think that there are, that's a trap for Christians, right? We go to how many church services and Bible studies and things like this, but we never minister. And then we just find our lives, we just kind of get puffed up and bloated in our faith, and people don't want to be around us because they just know you're going to break at some point. But to love God, to give expression to our love back to God. Jesus tells us this is what we ought to do. He says, uh, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your mind, right? This is the way you're supposed to live. But he also says, love your neighbor as yourself. It is important. There has to be an outlet for what God is pouring into us. That's a healthy, growing Christian. A church that is healthy, a church that, is, that wants more of Jesus, is going to be a church that expresses love. And it begins by expressing our love to God, which is why we spend, we come together every week to worship Him. It's called a worship service. And the service isn't for you. You're the ones that are doing the service. We are doing the service. We are bringing back worship to God. Every week. And we do it in all kinds of ways. We have, we even change the order so we can be even more responsive to God in this. But we come to Him in song and remind each other that we stand together because of His grace. We have time that we, we come to God through our, our scripture study. We have time that we come to God through worship, remembering the, 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 uh, the cross and our communion and, and rededicating ourselves to him that way. We have times that we come together for God, to God through the Bible memory and to worship him, knowing that his word is truth and his power. And we spend time beginning to really set his word into our hearts. We have time that we worship God corporately in prayer. We come together as his family and we come and ask him to participate in this life and help us to get on board with what he's doing to help us follow his his great direction. Uh, We have time uh, as a church then to fellowship. It's an amazing thing that we get to worship God in so many ways and we do that on Sunday as a a precursor to the way that we're going to worship him alone throughout the rest of the week. We come together, and then throughout the week, we have an opportunity to continue loving God with our actions and our words and our prayers and our praises. But we also come together to love each other. It's so important as a church that we get to know one another, that we get to see one another, that we pray for one another regularly, 
that we care for one another and each other's needs. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, when he, right before he went to the cross, he prayed for us. And he prayed that we would be unified as he and the Father are unified. And he says this, so that the world will know that you are my disciples. And it's because our love for one another will prove to the world that we are his. The world is filled with all kinds of false religions. There's a lot of people claiming to speak for God, aren't they? How are the world supposed to know what is genuine faith and what is just dead religion? Well, it's the evidence of love in you because what's the fruit of the Spirit? Well, love, isn't it? And our love for one another speaks volumes to the rest of the world. Because humans and of ourselves, we're selfish by nature, aren't we? We just are. But when God comes into our hearts and we can love one another in a unique and a powerful way, it speaks to the world and they say there is something different there. There's something genuine there. And so we get to love God and we get to love other people. And we get to show that kind of love. But you know what? The love that we show has to then some point get outside of, of the walls of this church. At some point, it has to leave the family, right? And to go and to spread into the rest of our community because God so loved the world, right? He called us to go to all the different peoples, all the nations, all the ethnos, <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have to go and share God's love. Now, it's important that we get these in order. Because if we start here, but we have not known the love of God ourselves, and we haven't grown in God's love, right? And we don't really truly love God or other people, but we want to go and share God's love. It's like a, a shortcut, and it will always lead to failure. If we begin with this, all we will be is do-gooders in a world trying to convince people of our way of life. And that's the last thing we want to be. But when we begin with loving God, and growing in his love, and truly growing in loving him and, and one another. It's in that context, it's in that kind of family, it's that we have the great privilege of going and sharing God's love to this world who desperately needs it. Jesus tells us this is the way that it should be. Right? He says, go and make disciples of all the nations. Isn't it wonderful that God didn't just come to save the Jews? Because he could have. But he found in his heart, it was his desire from the very beginning to save people, all of us. It says in the scripture, First uh, Timothy says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people and ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks to them. All people? Politicians, too? Actually, yeah, he directly says, he says, yes, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. It was God's great design from the very beginning that he would make those people like you and me who are his enemies, who stood in opposition to him into his very children. It's an amazing miracle and an amazing gift. Of, uh, it's this amazing thing. And Jesus came into this world. He moves in, right? <laughs> and he does that through the life and the faithfulness and, and, and the goodness of the gospel. And we have the joy of sharing that with one another. And not just in it's not like we just go out and we give you all a bunch of tracks and go out and make converts, 
right? Because we're not about the converts. Look what he says. They make disciples of all the nations. And he, he teaches us then to teach them everything he's obeyed, right? Teach us to obey all the, the commands he's given us. And so it's not like we give you a little card and you like bring 10 people to Jesus and then you get a free coffee, right? It's not the way it works. It's that we go into this world full of people that were just like we were before somebody shared the gospel with us. And we see the real them beyond what they really even think are their own needs. We see their potential like God sees their potential. We love them beyond what they're worthy of being loved because God loved us beyond what we really were worthy of being loved. And we get to go and show God's love in real and practical ways to our community. And it's a great joy. Now, over the years, we've done things together as a church to do that. We've painted the schools. We've volunteered in them. There's more opportunities that are going to come this fall to do stuff like that. We do missions work, right, where we go and we buy everything from Bibles to Zorb balls, whatever it takes to show this. Zorb balls are really fun, by the way. You should go check them out at the youth group stuff. They, but the thing is, it doesn't matter how. Like, there's not like a, a list in the Bible that says, this is how you show people God's love. It says, meet them where they are. Meet their real needs. And it tells in the scripture, it says, you know, we should do practical things. What good does it do anybody if you say, I'm praying for you, and they're hungry, and you have food, and you say, well, I'll pray for you, be well fed. If you got food, help them. That's the way that we get to live the bigger life. We get to love other people. We get to, to go and to share God's love with others. And as we do that, as a congregation We do grow bigger, and we have, and we get the chance to build bigger parking lots and things like that. But it's not about that as much, is it? We get to reach more people with the love of Jesus Christ. And as we grow bigger, and as each of us are engaged in discipleship, as each of us are engaged in in the lives of one another and helping each other grow deeper in that love and showing forgiveness and showing mercy and, and, and helping one another get in line with God's word as we encourage one another to do that, we don't just grow bigger, we grow deep. And we find something amazing. We find this, that we end up having more of Jesus, don't we? We end up having more of Jesus in our community because we started having more of Jesus in us. And it's the most amazing, miraculous thing. And it's how we've been doing it for 20 years, and I hope that's how we continue to live this for a long time. Now, the Christian Church of Estes Park is a fellowship of believers with a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment to, to, to know God's love and to grow in God's love and to love God and others and to go and share God's love. But that's kind of a mouthful, right? And so to bring God's love in a big way, we've kind of we've talked about how do we do that, and it's very, very simple. It's following the model that Jesus started. It starts by being disciples of Jesus to build disciples of Jesus, right? That's what it starts with. And so as we as a congregation, as we grow in this type of love, and as we look on to these next 20 years or 30, however long the Lord has us here, let's begin by that looking at saying, Lord, I want to be a better disciple. Not better in that I have more quality in me, but better in that I want to love you more. I want to learn what does it mean to follow you in a closer walk. Right? Begin by experiencing God's love for you. And grow in, in that. And then sharing God's love to others. To be disciples that build disciples. As uh, we're going to be bringing this portion to a close. And things will be a little different today. Um, and so uh, 
you know, as I'm talking, the, the band's going to come behind me, so don't let them bother you but through this, because I want you to really think about this uh, through this. There are some ways that we can connect with, uh, with the, the message today. And the first one here is to memorize Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want to make sure that, that we set that to our hearts. This is a great commission. This is why we're here. It's, it's an amazing thing, because if, um, if we don't get this, then we sometimes we wonder why we're here as a Christian and we start living for the wrong things, don't we? And there's a reason that God didn't just zap you to heaven the moment you were saved. He has work for you to do, doesn't he? And what is that work? To go to all people and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and then to teach them to obey everything that he commanded and knowing all along that you're dependent upon him, right? He's with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, maybe to reconnect to that, uh, that great commission, you begin by memorizing it. Don't just make this something that is part of your, um, your head knowledge, but make it part of your spirit knowledge. Right? Uh, spend some time this week meditating on what does it mean that, that, uh, that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth. Right? What does that even mean? And what does that mean for you? And what does it mean when he says to go to all nations, all peoples, where there's ethnos, which I think is kind of cool. What does it mean for you? And what does it mean to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit? What is he talking about? Why does he tell us to do that? What does it mean to teach these new disciples to obey everything? Who is he talking to and why? And why does he give us that promise that he's with us to the end of the age? Maybe this week that's what you commit to is you're going to spend some time with God and His Word. But maybe that passage, you'd like to read it all in context. So I'd invite you to this. What about this week? The next thing you might want to do is to read the Gospel of Matthew. Why? We're talking about discipleship. Now I'll tell you, the world had a lot less Jesus in it before Jesus showed up. We all agree on that? Right? The Holy Spirit was definitely here. But Jesus showed up in the flesh and all of a sudden the world had a whole lot more Jesus and those communities had more Jesus. And I tell you what, Matthew, he was a tax collector and Jesus stepped up to his booth one day and he had a lot more Jesus in his life too. And if you want to read the story of Jesus from a disciple, read Matthew. Look at the transformation. See who is this Jesus that we're, we're longing to have more of. What did he teach? How did he live? What does it look like to be a disciple? Maybe this week you spend some time in the Gospel of Matthew. Just start at the beginning and just read through it. It's amazing. And see the transformation that Jesus can make in a person, in a life, in a community. Or how about this? Maybe you want to pray. Ask God to prepare hearts. Maybe the hearts that you ask him to prepare are beginning with yours. You know, maybe it's one of those things where it's easier to, to just let the work of the gospel happen instead of to get engaged in it. And that's an honest place to be. So maybe the first place, if that's where you're at, to say, God, help me to connect in your purpose for me. Help, let me see what you've done in me. What's my ministry? Prepare my heart for the good work that you're going to do in me. Maybe you're one of those people that are going through a time right now where you know intellectually God is good, your faith tells you He's good, but He just doesn't seem good to you. Because every Christian's going to have times in their life that it's like that, and maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you begin to ask God to prepare your heart even in the midst of this. Say, God, help me live according to what I know is true until I feel it. Prepare my heart for your love and your gospel. Uh, but maybe you're also prepare the hearts of this community. Maybe there is a friend or a neighbor or a family member or a co-worker that doesn't know the Lord. 
Maybe you start this week and say, I begin praying for them that God frees them from the lies of their past or from the things that they're living so they can, so they can cling to Jesus. Ask God to prepare their hearts in advance and ask Him to, as He prepares your hearts as well. Now here's something else you might want to do. It's just a very practical thing. Maybe you want to attend the Growing Strong class. We live in a culture, unfortunately, if we've had a couple hundred years behind us at this, that we've, as a church, have done a pretty lousy job making disciples. We've made a really lot of converts, which has been great. And then we asked you to come, and then we've unfortunately said, well, then let me do the ministry. And that was really a dumb idea. Because God equips you to do the ministry. And we're all part of this together. And so maybe, maybe you've been a believer for a while, but no one's ever walked you through discipleship. What are some of the habits of discipleship? What are the habits of, of a growing faith? Well, let us help you and give you some first steps and to get you growing into that. And, and there's no shame in not knowing these things, but we want to help you. So maybe this week you say, you know what, I'm going to next week after second service, I'm going to attend that Growing Strong class for two hours. And that's two hours of my life learning some of these habits of how to have a growing and a vibrant faith. Or maybe there's something else. Maybe there's a commitment that you didn't make. Maybe there's another thing there. Or maybe there's a prayer request. You want to, you want to, to mark those down as well. And here in just a second, I'm going to, we're going to do things a little different today than we've ever done them, right? But I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to include you guys, and it's going to be, we're going to come to God together, right? So I'll start praying. And if the Lord has anything that he's laid on your heart or things that you want to, to talk to him or maybe even respond to his message with, certainly it's our time to come together corporately and to pray to our Lord. When that's, when that's done, I'll have Zach finish uh, to close us up. And then we're going to take our tithes and our offerings. And as we do, make sure that you drop this connection card in with that basket as it's passed uh, to know that we give God all of ourselves as a way that we connect with him. So uh, please join me as we, uh, as we start our conversation with the Lord. Heavenly Father, you are good. Uh, like the song says, when there's nothing good in me and uh, you don't change, you are the same always and you are powerful and you could have just wiped humanity off the face of the earth numerous times. But you didn't. And you could have, you could have excluded us from the gospel. Because we certainly deserve it as a people. But you didn't. Instead, Father, we see so much that over and over again, your grace is made new and abundant in our lives that you have come to this earth to save us because you love us. And even after we've been saved, your, your mercies are new every day because we seem to mess up every day. And yet, you still care for us. And you don't abandon us. And you give us your word and you give us your instruction to show us how to live. And you've given us a wonderful church family to, to care for us and and to encourage one another as we grow in the faith. And you've given us purpose in life. And Father, I don't think that there is enough thank yous that could ever be offered to express fully our gratitude to you and for you. But I tell you this, as much as you've already done for us, we long for more. We want more Jesus. Father, I pray as a church, help us to grow in your love. Help us to grow in your knowledge. Help us to grow in likeness to Jesus in our own spirits 
May the fruits of your Spirit come alive in each of us that are here. And Father, as we do that, I pray that your love and your gospel, that there will be more Jesus in this community who desperately needs you. And Father, I thank you because of Jesus, we have the great honor and privilege of of bringing our concerns and our requests, Father, our, our prayers to you, knowing that you always hear us, Lord, because you are with us. So Father, as now we continue in prayer, I pray that you would hear us and guide us. In Christ's name.